Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. All right, if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to one spot. Turn to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, we're going to have some fun tonight. Let me just say for those of you who were here last Saturday night, I started our series on marriage and then on Sunday completely called an audible and preached a totally different message entitled Pounded by Pressure where I talked to the church about some of the things that I've been feeling for the last couple of months. So if you were here last Saturday and you want to hear that message, you can get online. Um, But for those of you who were here on Sunday, and heard the Pounded by Pressure message, but want to hear the marriage message that I preached on Saturday night, that was at best a six out of 10, but God still speaks, Uh, you can email the office and they'll give you a link to that message, all right? Today we're talking about a marriage on the move. And more specifically, and that's the title of the message, but more specifically what we're talking about is several times that you will see on the weekly calendar of a healthy marriage. And the more consistently you see these times on the weekly calendar in a marriage, the more healthy and successful the marriage is and will continue to be. So let's jump right in and let's look at the first of the three times. Here's the first time you will see on a weekly basis in a healthy marriage, me time. Me time, alone time. Isn't it kind of funny that we're starting a, a, a message on marriage that involves us, but we're starting it with the first point being, I need me some me time. But marriage involves us. Why would we do that? Let me tell you why. Because if you are not in the right place personally, it is going to be very, very difficult to have a marriage that is in the right place relationally. Now, I'm not saying me, me, me time, that's all the time, but I am saying that there's a healthy rhythm that involves in every relationship, especially marriage, that involves some me time, some alone time. We see Jesus consistently getting away for some alone time. John chapter 6, verse 15, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him, but as darkness fell, Jesus still hadn't come back. Okay, here's what's, what's happening here. They're trying to do a good thing. They're trying to make him king, and Jesus says, no, it's not my time. I need to be away from all of y'all. I need some alone time. And for anybody, any spouse that is praying about nudging their spouse, saying, see, I told you I'm supposed to have some me time, let me just address you right here, right now, all right? Never do we see Jesus do the following right before he takes some me time. We never see Jesus say, I just need to be alone right now. The spirit of conviction just entered the room. I just need to be alone right now. I just can't deal with this right now. I need to be alone. 
Okay, Jesus never says that. Listen, you shouldn't either. That is not what I'm talking about. That is not what the Bible is talking about. That we can play this as a card when we don't feel like being in front of our spouse. Listen to me closely. Alone time is not about getting away from someone. Alone time is about getting away for something. It's not a I need to be away from you card. Now, there are some spouses who may battle a little bit of insecurity. And they may say, I just think it's dangerous that my spouse wants to be away from me. I'm kind of taking it personally. I mean, they want to be away. That's what alone time means. They just need to be away from me. Okay, don't read into it that much, all right? Jesus needed some alone time, all right? doesn't mean he didn't love the people who was around. He just needed some personal space. He needed some alone time, some me time. Okay, if you battle a little bit of insecurity related to giving your spouse the me time that God created them to need. Let me show you three things quickly that can happen during some alone time, all right? Here's the first one. They all start with the same letter because that's what preachers do. First thing, you can replenish. When you take some alone time, you can replenish. Okay, can you fill up your gas tank in your car while simultaneously driving 80 miles an hour down the 101? No. Okay, some of you fill up your car's gas tank several times a week and are still not applying that principle to your own life. Therefore, you are flying through life at crazy, illegal speeds, running on E, spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally. One of the things that can happen when we take some alone time is we replenish. Mark chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus says, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. When you're giving, giving, giving and going, 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 you're being depleted. And the word replenish just means to put back. And when you take a moment to withdraw, to be alone, you can diagnose which of your tanks are empty And then take a look at how best to fill them back up. Maybe you need a hike. Maybe you need a run. Maybe you need a round of golf. Maybe you need to go shop. Maybe you you need a nap. I don't know. Maybe you need a book. But it isn't until you withdraw, take a little bit of alone time, reassess, and replenish in the areas where you're depleted. That's a good thing, right? Here's something else that can happen when we have some alone time. We have time to reflect. We can reflect. When you're surrounded by people, you are prone to react or respond. But when you get alone, you are prone to reflect. Now, one of the big things that we can do when we reflect, and this is something that that I love about having time for reflection, is you can take a look at the wrong you've done and you can look at the good or the right you've done. And when you reflect on the wrong, when I reflect on the wrong I've done, it gives me an opportunity, A, to learn from it, but B, to think through how to make it right. But if I'm going, 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 I can just excuse the fact that I did wrong and I don't have the time to make it right. 
Having said that, something else that we can do when we reflect is to look at the good or the right we've done. And listen to me. If you never take time to celebrate the right that you've done or the good that you've done, you increase the odds that you'll eventually stop doing it because you're no longer excited about it. It's good to reflect on the good God has used you to do. It's one of the benefits of having a little bit of alone time. Reflection. Here's the third thing. We can refocus. We can refocus. When you're looking at a hundred things on a daily basis, you're looking at this and 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 this. It is extremely difficult to see everything clearly. But when you withdraw, when you're able to have a little bit of alone time, you can look at each thing individually, starting with the priorities. Some of you are frustrated by some things that aren't even true. And the reason is because your filter is dirty and you haven't taken the time to refocus and see properly or clearly. A benefit of a little bit of alone time is, hey, where do I need to refocus? Where am I out of alignment with the way God sees things? When we withdraw, when we take some time, we're able to refocus. Now, me time is an important part of marriage. Remember that, okay? Me time is an important part of marriage. And here's one of the biggest benefits of a little bit of me time. Me time always reminds me how special us time really is. If I get a little bit too much me time, I'm not a very pretty camper. Things get ugly really fast. Here's why. Because I need that girl. I need her. And if I spend too much time away from her, everybody around me knows it. Because I need her and I want to be around her. But it's amazing if I travel and have a little bit of alone time on the plane next to the broad-shouldered guy in the exit row next to me. And I have my headphones on and I'm just able to reflect on where I am and what's going on and the good and the bad. Inevitably, I begin thinking about my marriage, my wife. And that time away is one of the things that gets me even more excited to come back and enjoy and prize time together. All right? So the first time you'll see in every healthy marriage is some me time. All right? Here's the second time you will see throughout the week in a healthy marriage. Me and him time. Me and him time. Quiet time. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 talks about a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I think many of us as believers don't really understand what that looks like and what it means. I think some of us think that related to marriage, a cord of three strands is simply two saved people. Well, I'm saved. She's saved. Ha ha, cord of three strands. No, a cord of three strands is when God is in the center of your marriage. And God cannot be in the center of my marriage if God is not consistently being given time in my daily schedule. Okay, if you turned over to Exodus 33, I want you to see. All right, there's a reason I had you turn to this passage. Because what we're talking about, having time alone with the Lord, is essential to success and health and marriage. Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 7. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting right outside the camp. 
Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their tents. Inside the tent of meeting, watch this part, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Okay. Here would be my question for every one of you, whether you're married or not. Do you have a tent of meeting? Do you have a place where you go and the only thing you do there is go into the presence of the Lord, be with him, and talk? Well, Preston, God has said he'll never leave me or forsake me, so kind of my quiet time is all the time. Don't play that card with me. Moses had a tent of meeting where he would go in. He would meet face to face with the Lord. Listen, the veil has been torn. The veil has been torn. There is no longer that separation between God and man because of the blood of Jesus. We can spend time in his presence as though it were face to face. Incidentally, something that I saw in this passage that I've never seen before. I'm going to read it in verse 11. Uh, think about this for a second. Probably the biggest succession plan in all of scripture involved Moses, right? I mean, this is the guy who God used. I know God parted the Red Sea, but this is the guy. Who, I mean, his highlight reel, Moses' highlight reel is intimidating just to talk about, all right? And someone has to succeed him, all right? We know it's Joshua, but I want to show you something. Long before Joshua succeeded Moses, he didn't replace him because you can't replace Moses. You can only come after Moses. I want you to see something. I've never seen this before. At the end of verse 11, afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Brilliant. You already know Joshua is going to be Moses' successor because you see Joshua figured out that the key to Moses' success is God and time with God. Okay, listen to me closely. The key to success in your marriage absolutely 100% involves God and time with God. In every healthy marriage, you will see two people who spend time alone with the Lord. Obviously, Jesus did this. I could read you plenty of passages, but Mark chapter 1, verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, and he went out to an isolated place. Again, going for some alone time. He went to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Okay, read between the lines just a little bit here. Do you realize what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying to the disciples, fellas, that can wait. This cannot. 
I cannot do ministry on this earth without my personal connection to the Father. Okay. Jesus couldn't do ministry without his time with the Father. Why do some of us think we can do marriage without our time alone with the Father? If you're in a rough place in your marriage, one of the first places I would start in asking you questions is how's your time with the Lord? Not to put judgment on you, not, not to get you angry. Simply be that's the best place to start. Think about how brilliant it is to spend a little bit of alone time with the creator of the universe. For those of you who, who are married, can I remind you that the creator of the universe just so happened to create your spouse? So when you go in and spend some time talking to the creator of the universe, you may get a little info, inside information, so to speak, on the one you fall asleep next to every night. Several times, every month in my time with the Lord, I'll sense God start talking about my wife. There have been times when he's given me a heads up on what she needed and I didn't know. That's like cheating. Holly looks at me and she's like, how did you know? I'm not going to lie, I might have said, I'm just that good. <laughs> really in my heart I was saying, God, but you know you're good. You, you did that. Okay, it's not rocket science. The creator of the universe wants to spend time with you. But if you're asking, how, how is this going to help my marriage? The one who created the universe also created your spouse. If you have a problem with your spouse... Fill out a comment card, put it in the comment card box, and let the creator of the universe deal with it. Some of you are like getting a legal pad out right now. <laughs> There's another message for you coming later in this series. Okay, alone time with God is essential to a healthy marriage. Do you get the point? God created the heavens and the earth. God also created your spouse. God also created marriage. You need help in that area? Go to the one who has all wisdom. In healthy marriage, you see me time. You see me and him time. And the third thing you see is me and you time, or us time. You see alone time, quiet time, us time. Now I'm going to give you four things very quickly that should be a consistent part of us time, all right? And here's the first one. Have some fun. A consistent part of us time should involve some fun. I am tired of boring Christians. Can I just say that? Is that okay? Yeah. Here's what's funny. Everybody's clapping like, I'm not boring. Half y'all that are clapping are guilty. Listen, here's why I would say, I think it's crazy to be a boring Christian because Jesus died to give us abundant life, not boring life. We need to have some fun. The Bible says it. We need to have fun in marriage. Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse nine, enjoy life. Have fun in life with the wife whom you love or the wife of your youth. All the days of your vain life that has given you that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. The second two-thirds of that, the last two-thirds of that verse is depressing. 
Ergo, have some fun. It's hard out there. Have some fun inside your own home. Don't be so boring. And if you like one-liners, stick this one in your tailpipe. <laughs> a boring marriage is a burden to both of us. A boring marriage is a burden to both of us. A marriage without fun is a marriage which does not fulfill a God-given appetite. First Timothy 6, 17, the Bible says that God has given us everything we need for our enjoyment. He doesn't just give us what we need because we need it. He wants us to enjoy it. We're created to have fun. So there's no excuse to have a boring marriage. Perfect place to fulfill a God-given appetite for fun is inside of your marriage. Here's the second thing that you should see in us time. Talk future. Talk future. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure the cost out so you'll know if you can complete it? If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. Okay, listen to me closely. A very important part about me and you time, about us time, is talking the future. The less we talk about the future, and this is gonna hit some of you hard, the less we talk about the future, the greater the chances we don't finish together. Ask questions of one another on date night. Hey, where do you see us five years from now? Where do you want to be 12 months from now? Where do we want to take the kids for summer vacation? It's February. How much do we want to set aside for Christmas presents this year? Ask questions about the future. And for those of you who are afraid of the future, you have some fear related to the future. The more you choose not to talk about the future, the more scared you're going to be of the future. Talk about the future with one another. Plan for it. Talking about the future gives us the accountability we need today as we talk about tomorrow so that we can make sure we're doing what we need to do today to get there by tomorrow. So when you're together, talk future. Don't go months and months and months without talking about the future. Plan ahead. Here's the third thing that needs to be a part regularly of us time. Share feelings. You need to be sharing your feelings with one another consistently. Now, I already know this because I've been at this job long enough. Many of the men in the room are going, oh my word. We're about to talk about this. Listen, Noel's about to talk about this in two weeks. Uh, so ladies, make sure your husband is here for that message. Uh, Preston, I, I don't know what to talk about as it relates to my feelings. That is the biggest excuse on the planet. Let me show you what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read eight verses. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, 
a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to turn away, a time to search, and a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Okay, listen to me closely if you have difficulty sharing your feelings. If the Bible says there is a time for all of this, then here's what that means. You better be making time to talk to your spouse about every one of those things as they happen. Here's what happens when you suppress your feelings. Eventually, you will explode. Seen it a hundred times. If I've seen it once, if you suppress, hold on to your feelings. Eventually, you're going to pop. You're going to explode, and you will regret that explosion. The Bible says there's a time for everything, which means there's a time to talk about it all. And the best person to talk to is your spouse. Talk to them. Talk to them about how you're feeling about what's going on. Don't go through it by yourself. Share your feelings with one another. It's one of the most valuable things you can do during us time. If we cannot talk about how we feel, it could lead to a fracture that eventually could cause failure. So share your feelings. Here's the fourth thing. This is going to stretch some of you. Did it on purpose. It's a fourth F. Be frisky. During us time, it's a healthy thing to be flirty and frisky. Proverbs, let me just show you some scripture. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. One of the many reasons I love the Bible. <laughs> Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer. I love deer. <laughs> a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. Oh my word, did the Bible just say that? <laughs> yes, God made them. <laughs> May you always be captivated by her love. We have Alexa in our house. She never works. And my biggest fear is that she's recording everything we say. You would be shocked at some of the, the things we say in our house. One of the things you'd be most shocked by is pretty much every day, there is some time throughout the day where Holly and I, we like to call it talk scripturally to one another. <laughs> some of you call it talk dirty 
in our house, we call it talk scripturally to me. Here's your homework. Go home and read the Song of Solomon. Some of you aren't laughing. I'm going to pray for your spouse. I told you this, this series was going, to, it was going to challenge some of you. Let me, let me just read. I, I wasn't going to do this, but since you're already a little uncomfortable, let me just finish this deal. I'm preaching a whole message on sex at the end of this series, so just buckle up for that one because it's going to be really awkward but really anointed, all right? Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 1. Just listen to a little bit of this frisky talk because if, if you hack my Alexa, you're going to hear this. You're going to hear it. You are beautiful, my darling. Beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind the veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep. He was romantic. Recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless. Each tooth matched with its twin. She had dental implants. What, what can I say? Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. I'm going to stop there. And I'm going to finish that at the end of the series. But, but can I just say something? All kidding aside. I talk very sweetly, very romantically, very descriptively to my bride. And one of the reasons is that I don't live with this fear, but I'm fully aware of this in a fallen world where the enemy is at work, would love to divide me and my wife. I'm fully aware that a man could walk into the room and at any point say something romantic to my wife. One of the goals I set when we got married was if that ever happens, I'm going to make it where immediately when he pays you that compliment and he says that romantic thing, you start playing through 20, 30, 40 years of me talking like that to you. And your first thought when he tries that trick on you is to go, that's all you got? I got a man who's talked to me like that all my life. You don't have a right to talk to me like that. Listen, if I won't be flirty with my wife, the devil will gladly bring someone who, who will try. I don't flirt with her out of fear. I flirt with her because it's my favorite hobby. And for those of you that you're just, your stomach is rolling, maybe you're even mad at me for talking about this in church. Can I just remind you that the Song of Solomon, let me say it this way. Have you ever seen those political campaign commercials where they, they kind of say some things about the other candidate, this and this and this and this, and that at the end of the commercial, at the end of the advertisement, the other candidate comes on the screen and says, I am so-and-so and I approve this message. 
Can I just let you know that at the end of the book of Song of Solomon, that God stands there and goes, I am the creator of man, of sex, and man's sexual desire. And I approve this message. For those of you who have convinced yourself that's talking dirty, go home and read through that book of the Bible. It will challenge you. It will probably also excite you when you realize God is saying, hey, I'm not just going to allow you to talk like this to your spouse. I'm teaching you how to talk to your spouse. This is one of the forms of communication I have given the two of you that you don't get to have with anybody else. That's what makes it so special. Listen, marriage is not easy and it takes a lot of time. But we're not just talking time logged. We're talking time spent wisely. And if you're going to have a healthy and successful marriage, you need to make sure on a consistent basis you have some alone time. You make sure you have a consistent quiet time with the Father. And make sure you're strategically having us time. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Communion was so amazing to me that that's about as romantic as it can get related to communion. In the middle of this message, we talked about Moses having a tent of meeting. In a moment, when I'm done praying, if you want to pray with somebody, whether it's about the message or not, you've got a need in your life and you just want somebody to pray with you. When I'm done praying and everybody stands to worship, you can come pray with somebody. But for the rest of us, here, here's the thought I want to just plant in your heart. Not only does God love marriage, God loves you. And one of God's favorite things is your tent of meeting with him. As we finish out this service with worship, here's what I think would be really sweet. To set up your tent of meeting right here in this room. Right here, right now. Holy Spirit, I pray for every person in this room, whether they're married or not, doesn't matter. Whether we're married or not, our time alone with you is one of the most important things we do on this planet, if not the most important. God, it's amazing to wrap our minds around the fact that the creator of the universe wants to have time face to face with us. God, I pray no matter what every person in this room is going through, I pray for a holy moment right here, right now, in this tent of meeting.
because that's what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.